Thank you for tuning in to Cop with Comic. I'm Brian Copper with Comic Ben Auction. Ben Auction, how the hell are you? I am doing just fine. I'm enjoying a mild Chicago winter day, which means it's slightly above freezing. Yeah, I hear it's actually pretty nice out there. Like, oh, yeah, Chicago's having a great winter. Somebody told me earlier today. And I was like, I was there during Christmas. It was eight degrees. Yes. No, I like over over Christmas in December, it was awful. And then although I was out of town, so I missed uh, the worst of it. But then when I came back, it's been like, you know, it's been like 36, like all all uh, all January. I don't think people I don't think people know what to do with themselves because we're all (laughs) we're hunkered inside. And there's nothing to hunker from. So then we just feel like lazy pieces of shit. That's great. I, I um, love winter. Yeah, winter gives you an excuse to kind of uh, hunker in. But like right. you said, yeah. You and I need that. Shit. I need that excuse. I need <laughs> I need to have a reason I'm not going outside. That's not just, you know, my own crippling anxiety. Well, so I think, that's. Dude, I think you're basically productive. You don't need to leave. I think you prove with all your comedy output. You don't. I think you prove that you don't need to leave to be productive. <laughs> And we follow him everywhere. Ben Auksher has his own dot com, but yeah. also on the on the Instagram, this guy knows as well. And he used to be this guy knows, I thought, on Twitter. What happened there? What happened there was I uh left Twitter and not not in the most recent round of Twitter upsets. I I left Twitter <clears throat> I think around two years ago, just because I just realized I was wasting so much of my time there. I envy people who can just get on Twitter, make their jokes, look at other jokes, go, wasn't that a delight? And then go like, and then go like make dinner or something. You can't do that. You can't separate yourself. No, no, no. I mean, the the, the algorithm knows exactly what it's doing with me. (laughs) And it will show me something that's just like, he's going to be real mad about this. And then I got to go tell, and then I got to, you know, argue with some stranger who is not there to have a conversation (laughs) about anything for half an afternoon. And then I realize, okay, I got it. This is, this is dumb. So basically because of because in the early days of twitter like i was i was using it to make jokes literally like every day i would go on i would try to write like a joke a day i'd be like okay i got uh, here's a clever little thing here's a clip and i wouldn't even like look at other stuff really yes go back to that then i can retweet you right well you know maybe someday but also now <laughs> now now i'm afraid it's all going to collapse any second so uh you know who knows maybe I, I, I we'll see what everyone we'll see what so I'm gonna wait like a year and see what everyone is using then and then jump on that bandwagon. Dude, yeah, yeah, that's kind of what I'm waiting on. I was on Mastodon for five seconds, but unless I kind of find everybody else on Mastodon, I can't retweet all my former guests as I love to do. But right. I saw your social. This guy knows as well on Instagram. You were in Amadeus, and you tell me that you were the fucking one of the fucking leads like because that didn't both of them get nominated for lead actor yeah for the movie version yeah Yeah. i think so yeah um yeah i uh i i was i played mozart this was a few years back now um and as you'll notice on instagram i don't update a whole lot there either but but i did play uh, i played that role a few years ago out at a theater in colorado it was really beautiful actually i went out 
to they housed us out there so i just went out to live in in colorado for a few months right by um pike's peak okay. and just just hung out in this like beautiful mountain town and and did this play for a while it was very surreal and it feels every time i describe it i feel like i'm lying because yeah. like no no one i know was there <laughs> And there's nobody usually treats people that well. Yeah. And, there, and there's, and there's nothing, um, there's nothing surviving of it aside from a few pictures, but uh, I'm relatively sure it happened. Those are pictures were doozies because like very important, almost as important as two lead actors are the boob shelf of Stanzi. And so I see one of the, one of the actresses on here. She has a, she has the decolletage. You need a, you need your boobs kind of out if you're going to play that it's, role, right? Was that Stanzi? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting mode or an interesting time uh, costume wise. Yeah. And uh, I always feel, uh, I always feel kind of bad for, um, uh, for the women that I co-star co with when, whenever it's a, whenever it's a period piece, because yeah, everything is, everything is insane. Wow. Everything is designed to just create a, take a shape that is not the human body in the yeah. least bit and, and pr pretend that that's what a body is supposed to look like. Yeah. Meanwhile, you're rocking three, four or five sets of coats. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> that was much colder back then. <laughs> Now, how did you do as a Tom Hulse or whatever his name is? Did you do him proud? How did you play it differently? Um, oh, I'm sure he would have been mortified. Um, <laughs> I'm did sure you watched the movie. Did the movie performance influence your own or not really? I, I mean, a, a, a little bit. I, I watched the movie mostly just to kind of familiarize myself with it a little bit. But I honestly, it was a situation where I knew the director and the director had asked me specifically if I'd come out and do it. And so I thought, well, if he already trusts me enough to just kind of blind ask me without auditioning, then I guess I can just kind of do whatever I want. And I did. <laughs> and I did. But we're and, expecting the laugh, right? Right. Yeah. Well, and I think that's what he was kind of thinking. He was just like, okay, well, Ben's like a, you know, generally comedic performer and it's not strictly speaking a comedic role, but he's got a weird enough. ass laugh. Let's get Ben. Yeah. On here. Right. Yeah. I don't think you want, um, I don't think you want someone in that role who's going to be, uh, scared to, uh, to, oh. to, 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 to let loose. You're you know kind of an I mean? adventurous risk taker. And so you were like, I mean, that's why I was hired. I got to take some fucking risks. And did they pay right. off? I mean, did your risks pay off? Did the audience enjoy it? Well, I'm very famous now. So yeah, I would say, I would <laughs> say. Hopping with comic now, everything has panned out. <laughs> Every, everything, everything has panned out. Um, I, yet, I, you know, I don't know. I think though that, that um, one thing that I've noticed with comedy performers specifically is that we, we, we have to learn really early on to be okay with looking bad. Yeah. Um, you know, look and looking stupid and uh, on stage. And um, I don't know, I, I wouldn't say that this is true of like most actors or anything, but I do know a lot of actors who don't really come from that world for whom it's like, that's, that's much harder. Like the, there's a, there's yeah. a, there's a dignity shield that, <laughs> that is just like, I can't, I can't be that undignified. And you think stage. so, I mean, comedy, you need to almost be, you know, look human. You know, so people can empathize and sympathize and kind of, you know, not yeah. before you said a single fucking word, whereas drama, maybe that's not the case. And so do you think, do you find that drama people, you know, people who only do dramas have a tougher mm -hmm. time of, of being vulnerable on stage? I think, well, maybe I think that it's fair to say that you have a tougher time um, 
you have a tougher time. Uh, yeah. Looking uh, stupid. I mean, yeah, I guess you're right. Like, back, they have to you cry have a, you, and emote. So I suppose right, right, right. vulnerability. You, 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 have yeah. a, you have a tougher time looking stupid on okay. stage. So like, you have a tougher time. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, because you know vulnerability is 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 one thing, but but it's another thing entirely to just to basically live out that you know you know that nightmare that people have <laughs> where you're standing in front of a class you know and sure. and you're just in your underwear and you don't know why and you don't know how you got there and everyone's like laughing. You have to literally <laughs> get to a point where you're just like, this is good. I will live this nightmare oh, and embrace no. it. And then uh, you know once you've done that. I think it's easy, but before you've cro- before, <laughs> because then you lose all all claim to dignity, and it's fine. Yeah. But oh, before you've that. before you've crossed that threshold, it's it's <laughs> it's hard to psych yourself up for it. And that's why I can't do comedy, man. Like I've done it, and it's like I just can't enjoy it though, because it's like you really do have to. I'm kind of I'm kind of sensitive, and just like with every joke that does not get a laugh, I'm just like you have just slaughtered me. You have killed me. I mean, you've shown it's... me that I'm less than perfectly funny, which of course everybody knows, but it's like you guys <laughs> seem to know that. You guys seem to be showing, you know, putting a mirror up to my not funniness. You know? Yeah, you've <laughs> you've shown you've shown that I am not perfectly funny. That is that's the very first time that I tried um stand up i went to go it, it was an open mic and i i was i wasn't even gonna go up i was there just to watch somebody else do it and um and my friend goes up and and you know he does pretty well and then i'm watching other people go up and i'm like well i think i could do this yeah. and again this is and this is back when i used twitter correctly so at the time i literally i signed up and then you know since there were a few people before me I just went through my own Twitter feed and I just found, uh, I just found jokes that I had uh, posted and just picked ones that I liked. So then I just went up and did like a, a set of one-liners for my own Twitter feed and it went, and it went like really well, like surprisingly yeah. well. And I was like, okay, I am the best at standing. <laughs> and so then the, I was like, I'm going to come back next week and I'm going to write, I'm going to actually write something this time. I'm going to prepare oh, something no. this time. No, here's the thing. I prepared a few minutes. I went up. It went really well. And I was like, that proves it. (laughs) I am the best there ever was. (laughs) I come back the next week. I do new material. It is silence. It is stone silence. Why, just a different audience or a different material? No, I don't know. I don't know. All I know is that I remember walking off that stage with that feeling that you described of just like, oh, no. Uh, (laughs) How did I... How did I go from on top of the world to yeah. like the the least funny or impressive or, or uh, you know like valuable person in the room? Yeah, it's it's a roller coaster, man. It's yeah, and I can't coaster. believe that people kind of do that night in night out. Like like yeah. I did I did Cubby Bear once. Like and my friend was going to go up, I wasn't, and like so it's just like your thing. And like on the way there, though, I, like back in my mind, I was kind of thought some jokes and stuff. And I was like, I started even getting like the stomach butterflies. I was like, I think I'm going to get up. I think I'm going to get up. And sure enough, I I fucking slayed and he fucking bombed. Mm. And then what what happened after that was I went to an improv class and I hated mm. that lack of control. That was bullshit. And oh. then I went to New York and you know you're in an open mic with four people looking on their fucking phone. Yep. And you know it's it was too jokey anyway like it 
was incredible coming out of my mouth. And so they, they knew better. They're like, yeah, I wrote jokes, jokes like this all the time. They don't fucking work. <laughs> you know? They right. can tell these incredible jokes that have no common thread and have no root in your persona, but we're not going to fucking laugh at it. All right. Cause nobody laughed at it when I did these hack fucking jokes, right? I'm not, I'm not going to laugh at you motherfucker. And so that's when I was like, maybe I'll just interview comedians. You know, you guys are open and honest, but I can't take the, you know, do what five, six shows a night. And it's to have tough. that swing, right? To have that swing between being on a fucking late show and yeah. being on a place where they fucking, you know, they just don't think you're funny at all. Yeah, well, and I mean, I should say that like my own my own comedy output has uh, shifted to other other areas and formats. Like I didn't do um strictly speaking, I haven't done like stand up stand up in a while f- because that is it it's a thing where I was like, okay, this specific form of comedy, what I came to realize was if I want to do this, I have to do it every single night. Yeah. Like you described, like I got to do it multiple times a night, as many times as I can. I will yeah. almost never, at least, you know, for years, probably almost never get paid a dollar to do it. Yeah. And, um, I, I found, I found that environment to be just kind of it, it's just it's it's rough because when I do other forms of comedy uh, it, there's usually some form of collaboration right yeah. at play and so if 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 you do well um you know there's like a there's like a team sort of celebration and even if you do poorly if it bombs there's a commiseration yeah. that can sort of happen there amongst you know all the participants but when it's just you and you are the one who's standing in the room of of 10 other people who are just comics who are just waiting for their turn yeah. who are almost incentivized not to find you funny yes. because that's invalidating toward them somehow <laughs> that is that's a brutal environment to subject yourself to night after night yeah multiple times one night i had joe jane's on uh, earlier mm-hmm. and joe jane's a big chicago uh, you know, teacher of you know at Columbia and Second City of you know sketch and improv and all that bullshit. And mm-hmm. I think he had done stand up earlier, and he did say something like, "I got fed up with the whole thing." I was like, well, "What fed you up?" And he's like, "I just didn't like like being alone. Like meaning like yeah. when I want my friends up there with me. It's like why would I build my life around something where it's just you when I could have all my fucking friends with me?" Yeah. And that's just so true. So I didn't like the lack of control. Where it was like you know at least when i got up there and did my act you know i could kind of predict the last whereas here it's just but but i also don't like like my like i'm good in front of people but my stomach fucks up and so not only can you not keep a day job if you're doing you know four or five mics a night mm-hmm. i would also start getting nervous from the moment i woke up and it would just oh. slaughter me and so like although i'm really good it's because i'm kind of nervous all the fucking time that i end up being really good but it's just like i can't take those fucking swings and so so like mm-hmm. you said so now you're doing my improv or sketch and, and kind of yeah. i know i know religion and, and politics are some of the things that end up in yeah. some of your work kind of yeah. you know how are those hot button issues i mean they didn't work for you on twitter <laughs> no, because, no, because like, let's I'm, show this to him i love yeah, that yeah yeah no because i'm because the because the energy gets directed in just the least helpful way possible because when you're sitting down and <clears throat> when you're trying to craft something you know about a topic that you feel um strongly about 
then you have to there's there's you know there's a process of like sitting down examining it trying to get to the heart of it like what is it about this that bothers me how can i kind of lampoon that or highlight that in a way that's engaging like it's a very there's more introspection when you're just in a fight with somebody there's no goddamn introspection there's no process of like trying to sort your own thoughts out you're just looking at what someone else has just said and going no like that's and that's not that doesn't help that doesn't help anybody it definitely doesn't help me um i do i do uh i do a lot of uh i do a lot of improv and i've done a lot of uh, sketch work i've also written uh or co-written um stage plays and uh musicals and um i kind of you know a wide variety of uh formats but the common thread is just that i can't seem to go too long without uh trying to get some some ideas on a stage and so but like for religion and politics like you know what are the you know what are the things that interest you about them that you really need to put in one show before you die oh boy Uh, well i did that's a fascinating way of asking that question i (laughs) I uh, will be dead soon. I'll and be I in will Chicago be in two weeks, and it's less than thirty-two fucking degrees. I'm coming for Ben Auction. <laughs> uh, I well, I mean my uh, my background. I, I come from a from a highly religious background, uh, and I you know I would say that nine times out of ten, if you've got that friend who's 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 got who you know feels the need to talk about that stuff all the time, it's because that's where they came from. Um, I was, uh, I was sort of raised in a, um, uh, like a fundamentalist, uh, sort of a, a, a right wing fundamentalist environment. Um, it was homeschooled up until my second year of, uh, high school. Wow. Um, that makes a difference. It, you know, it does. And, and to be <laughs> fair, I, normally that shit is beaten out of you pretty early. Well, <laughs> like I also like, I have a bunch, you know, I have, my, I have a bunch of pastors in my family and just a bunch of church workers. And like, I love it. Like I'm still a big believer and stuff, but it's like, yeah, I was also very popular in middle school and high school and stuff. And so it's right. Like, one of the reasons is like, you can kind of read the fucking room, but if you were homeschooled, oh my Lord. well, there, that is, that is kind of an interesting um thing because in in my experience there are um there's three kinds of of homeschoolers in my experience there are three kinds of homeschool families like pe- people who decide that that's what they're going to do like there's the hippie homeschoolers there's the there's the religious homeschoolers and then there's the people who just find themselves in that situation like this is just the best option i have right now yeah. like like it during the pandemic, like, uh, or, you know, during lockdowns and whatnot, like people got far more, far more people experienced what it was to try to do homeschooling. And it was merely a, you know, a product of circumstance. But um, my family was in the category of religious homeschoolers. And to be, to be clear, both of my parents, um, you know, they have degrees in, in teaching. They are educated. Okay. They are educators. Like there was qualification there, but the okay. reason um the reason for their thinking was the reason for a lot of i think religious homeschoolers thinking which is there's just stuff i need to protect my kid from yes and not not necessarily you know uh you know things that are direct threats to them but i need to kind of have better control over what ideas 
come in to play. And was it just curriculum or was it also some social shit? Because a lot of the social shit you're going and you're, I mean, you're doing the school in the middle of a fucking fashion show, a popularity contest where there's fucking right. people, you know, people talking dick and fart jokes or are you getting into porn pretty young <laughs> as we're finding out right now? Like were, were, right. were they also trying to protect you from that? I, I mean, I would imagine so. Uh, but I def I, what I definitely know is that there was this sense of like, it's too chaotic and there's too many things that are dangerous about kind of sending you out into the public school and, and seeing what might influence you out there. So we're doing it, you know, we're going to do it here. We're going to, uh, that I think was the primary motivation. And, um, so I, that was kind of the world that I came up with and I was, you know, uh, super fundamentalist. I was very, I was very in this world. I was very locked into this world. And I, uh, it took until I was, you know, off at college really to, to get that first sort of, wait a minute, I'm going to step back now and re re-examine a little bit yeah. and stepping back and re-examining, you know, revealed a lot of things that, you know, I could no longer, hold on to and when you spend the first couple decades of your life utterly devoted uh to certain ideas and then you have to kind of leave them behind that leaves a that leaves a mark on your head and i think that's why people like me can't stop talking about it forever and yes. become and become that guy at the bar because well, it, because because we're just like i the what everything stopped being true <laughs> like did you ever like everything was true for 20 years and then it stopped do you realize what that means or at least i mean at least you believed it with with sure sure i mean but it's that's, either true yeah. or it's not but at of least course. your belief was just so rock solid for decades and you start questioning it right but, but yeah yeah that's that's what i mean i think that if you have it i i just think that um if you have that experience, it's, it's, it's really wild and it's impactful. Yeah. And I think people who haven't had an experience like that, um, ha maybe have a hard time understanding how, uh, visceral that, that is. Oh yeah. Cause it's, it's like the cult thing. It's like your truth, you're living your truth for decades. And then you yeah. from the fucking cave and you're like, Oh my gosh, there's cars out here. <laughs> there's only fucking wagons but uh but that's so great because now we know that it's gonna like i can't wait to see the play the ben oxford play musical <laughs> comedy sketch that plays all this stuff out we follow them everywhere ben oxford benoxford.com and there you can find out that the instagram is this guy knows as well but also back in the day on yeah. twitter it was this guy knows and so hopefully you can get back to the thing where you write write some jokes so i can retweet them okay. and then just never look at anything else Ever again, I, I just love how you're like the Instagram knows. I mean, you're like, but the algorithm knows how to piss me off. And like, let's show this to him. It's going to fucking piss him off. But I love that so much. Ben Oxford, thank you so much for coming on. Hey, thank you for having me. It was a delightful chat.